This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our own humanity. Nor Wazi talked to me about her film Lab Rat. It's a nice short that she made, and she's actually doing quite a few shorts these days, and we'll have her in a moment. Hi, this is Tony Tolado, and on Sci-Fi Talk today, have an interesting filmmaker, Nor Wazi, and she has a fascinating uh, film called Lab Rat that we're going to talk about. And uh, congratulations, uh, Noor. I understand it's going to be on uh, on Dust. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it actually it actually launched yesterday. Um, it's already kind of at 30,000 views. So, you know, we're excited. It's nice it's getting an audience. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's great to hear that. That's awesome. What I love about the story, and actually before we get into it, I will say that you are hardly a novice working in the film industry for over 13 years. So you know your way around the set. I'd like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> so Lab Rat is an interesting premise. It's a sci- I call it a sci-fi mystery because it's, it kind of a, borrows a little bit from The Thing in the sense that in The Thing, one of them is The Thing and they don't know which one it is. And this one... There's people that are trapped like rats in a laboratory, and one of them is an AI. And the trick is to figure out which one that is. Interesting premise for a story. Uh, how did you arrive at this? Um, I mean, to be honest, it was um, at the time I actually had written off shorts because this is kind of my ninth one. And uh, I was approached by this um, acting school who had a, they had a bit of cash, I think about $10,000, and they wanted me to do an ensemble piece. And I'd never really written anything that wasn't prioritizing one character. So um, that's literally kind of the starting point of like, how, okay, what can I do that would require five actors? <laughs> and yeah, I mean, that's kind of, and I've always been into that kind of Lord of the Flies, you know, the thing, the, you know, that kind of, it's the kind of stories that basically push people to the brink and really kind of ask us uh, to question our own kind of, um, our own self-preservation and see kind of what, how people's behavior can can change when we're threatened, looking for difference, bullying, othering. It's, it's kind of, I've never really seen it done in the context of, of artificial intelligence before. And, and it's, it's pretty hard to find, you know, a fresh angle into these stories. So that was, that was the first thing is how can we make this fresh <laughs> um, that we haven't seen before in this genre? And yeah, well, we arrived at, um, at this concept. So you wrote, you co-wrote this with Matt Brothers. Did he, and it, did you work together, or did he do a pass and then you kind of, you know, came in and and reworked it? I mean, uh, this one's actually very different from anything else I've ever done because we um, we actually because of the nature of getting the money before we had a project and knowing what we had to do, we actually first we started the like Matt kind of threw me some concepts and we kind of worked them and then I basically auditioned a bunch of actors and then we we basically did improv sessions and we create we kind of he stayed with the room with me and I'd rehearse and we played around and we basically developed the characters from the actors which is oh. something. I've never done before. Um, so that was a really unique way of working. Uh, so yeah, and we kind of just, you know, he'd do a pass, I'd do a pass. I mean, it was back and forth. Uh, we'd go into rehearsals, we'd, we'd write, we'd rewrite as we performed and kind of got ideas about, you know, effectively trying to create characters that, that felt relevant for the actors we'd chosen. Yeah. I mean, so it sounds like in theater they have things called workshops where 
essentially they they workshop the play. It sounds like you workshop this movie by getting yeah. your actors and kind of having them play off each other and seeing what their strengths and weaknesses are. Exactly. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, that's definitely the first time I've ever done that. So it was um, it was a cool experience. Yeah. I would think a pretty creative one, too. Yeah, it was really fun. Like, I've never had this level of investment um, from actors before. So I've, I've always ended up with kind of quite known actors. You know, like, I, I have worked with Amelia Clark and Maisie Williams and Sadiq, Alexander Sadiq, all from Game of Thrones. Uh, so I've always kind of offered, you know, I mean, I've worked with young kids as well, but with them, I, um, you know, the script's pretty solid. I don't really, uh, <laughs> there's no workshopping with 10-year-olds for me. Um, generally, I, I, uh, I stick to what I've written. But with this one, there's just a different, it was, they're very hungry, they're very new. Most of them had never been on screen before. So I just had a bit of fun with it, really. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, talk about your cast. You have Max Williams, Matt Harris, C.N. Hill, and Chrissy Sturgis, and Abeo Jackson. Talk about them. I mean, Abeo's from like Trinidad and Tobago, and nice. she she plays the um, the mom. So like the the main kind of central part of the story, which is so outside the kind of that escape room concept of who's the AI, we have the this mother and daughter duo. The mother is the lead site, this kind of. Um, misanthropic lead scientist uh, who who's basically running this experiment and her kind of protege daughter is made to kind of observe these scientists and and kind of devise who she thinks is is basically the the AI and she finds herself questioning if her lover m- might be the AI and so as the scientists turn on him like she ends up finding herself facing an impossible choice so we kind of for me the mother and daughter relationship was super crucial because I pulled a lot from my own relationship with my own um, my own mother. Bayo, we, I mean, she was fantastic and Kirsty as well. I mean, she, she'd never been in a film before. Um, so she, and I really think she did a phenomenal job. Uh, so, and she's from Australia. I mean, she's mixed race from Australia. And then the other three actors, um, Matt, Sean and Max, they're all British. Oh, um, cool. <laughs> so it was a really cool mix, you know, uh, and they're really talented. I mean, they're really young and hungry. So, I mean, I don't know what else to say about them, but they were brilliant. I mean, it was such fun to work with. Well, one thing I will say, it strikes a good chord with me because I am all about and have been about diversity for quite some time. And uh, I think it's awesome to, to, to mix it up and kind of show a little bit of the rainbow that's out there. Oh, indeed. I mean, we, we wanted to ripple that into not just the, the casting, but also the, um, you know, the team itself. And we were really proud. I mean, we I still think we could have done we could have done better, but we really it was uh, it was tough to find. The UK infrastructure is quite um, is, is not as good as the US, I would mm. say. I'm sure you've been seeing all the articles lately from like Sandra Oh and Steve McQueen and all of them. But um, we ended up with like 40 46% women, 54% men, and 28% people of color, basically. So it was kind of a nice, it was a nice mix behind the camera, which was great. Cool. So speaking of behind the camera, the movie pretty much takes place in this one confined space, right? I see. Yeah, predominantly it's in this in this space, which is uh, which is kind of shut down, and they can't escape. But then you've also got the um, you know, Dr. Edwards, play, played by Abeo, her office, which is where they have monitors and they basically are observing the chaos uh, unfolding. <laughs> uh-huh. and, uh, and we found this really cool, I mean, the lo- location is is so, it's I think the most important, one of the most important things when you're trying to, you know, tell your story. And we found this, this old um, 
Pfizer building. It's like a, it's a laboratory that had been shut down and uh, it was completely derelict. So it was, it took, wow. it took a couple, it took a couple of days to dress it, to be honest, because it was so massive. But they had this amazing glass uh, hallway, which is <laughs> the minute I saw that when I got there, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm sold. I'm completely sold. <laughs> Because uh, that's like, you know, and I knew the minute I saw that hallway, I, I literally saw the exact shots I was going to do. So, um, and uh, that's, that's uh, everyone seems to be lo- love that cinematography side of it, you know. Awesome. Because you are limited in locations. What, how did you discuss how you wanted to light this with your cinematographer, Mark uh, Nutkins? With this one, I think we, because I wanted, I didn't, I wasn't kind of intending to make kind of a masterpiece. I just wanted to have a bit of fun with lighting and color. So, you know, for me, those elements are very much the backbone of emotion and of tension. So we kind of devise, you know, very specific kind of not just visual direction in terms of framing, but also lighting in term in inside. Um, so, so like the office, for example, had its had a very specific vibe and look which was actually inspired by by westworld and the uh, (laughs) i'm a big fan yeah me too (laughs) it's my absolutely favorite show um (laughs) and then the escape room we kind of we wanted to have we wanted to play with light so um so for example this start when it kind of shuts down we kind of go from a standard office environment and then the lights kind of you know switch off you know start to effectively switch off and and turn to something a bit more um sinister and we kind of went we wanted mm-hmm. to go with something a bit punchy and just exciting but also that kind of um, that reflected the different character dynamics. So, you know, we just created, a, you know, rules effectively <laughs> for, for how we, um, you know, in, interpreted the, uh, the shifting allegiances throughout the story. So, and then we really, I mean, for me, darkness is always something that I've always been a bit kind of mm. scared to embrace, I would say, but I, um, I went for it with this one. <laughs> so, uh, you know, because the, the main objective for us was very much creating this, not only a sense of dread and this kind of haunting complexion, but we wanted to get a sense that the truth, you know, just as the truth isn't visible to the characters and everyone appears to be hiding something, we wanted to obscure the views um, so the audience doesn't see everything clearly either. Uh-huh. You know, in, in this kind of like voyeur-like world of Labra, we wanted to kind of remind everyone this that someone's always watching. And, you know, we felt we did that not just in the framing choices, but but in the lighting choices as well with kind of embracing, you know, darkness and, and how we, um, you know, effectively um, hid them. In, in yeah. Case, you know. As far as music, uh, you know, you have, you know, the, for the score, you have uh, your composer, uh, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but Nainita Desai, is that right? I, am, I in, am I in the neighborhood at least? <laughs> yeah, you know, you're correct. You're close. <laughs> yes, I, I figured I'd be a little close. But but, uh, but musically, what uh, did you work with her closely or did you kind of let her go off on her own to do it? Oh, no, I'm, I'm a control freak. So, so, <laughs> I mean, the joy of being a director. You know, she handled my nitpicking really well, I have to say, because I am really pedantic when it comes to my music. Um, I mean, it was so important to, because especially when you're doing a genre film and, you know, and, and finding 
for us, it was important to kind of help enhance the emotion, you know, build and punctuate tension and create a sense of this, of the epic within the film's intimate framework. So, um, you know, so while we were creating this kind of simmering and escalating sense of the foreboding, we wanted to kind of create like a, a blend between organic and electronic sounds that represented the bridge between human machine. But like as well, you know, the big challenge was to kind of embrace the subtleties of the story of the character, you know, and marrying it with the more the rich cinematic genre dynamics. So we ended up kind of finding a theme that was more innocent and humanized to represent the two lovers. Um, so Alika and Johnny, so Alika's um, the daughter and, and Johnny is the main, the, the, the one of the characters that are yeah. trapped in the room. Um, so we kind of had this kind of more more humanized thematic that that kind of went alongside more heightened themes that sat along like the tense drama and chaotic action of the film. I mean, the big challenge for me was that I'd I'd done I put temps on the offline, which I've actually never done on any of my other shorts, uh, just purely because I didn't want to get too wedded to them, and that's exactly what happened with this one. So, you know, I pulled a lot from a lot of my favorite films, and uh, so it was. Nanita had definitely had a bit of a challenge to pull me away from things that I was attached to. Um, but yeah, the hardest thing for us was very much, you know, finding the balance in such a dramatic piece because it's it's very theatrical. So we kind of found ourselves pulling back from going way over the top. <laughs> but I, I'm really proud of what we achieve together that's cool why don't we take a short break we're talking to Nurwazi. she is the co-writer director and producer of a film called lab rat now available on dust and we will be right back hi i'm christopher judge of stargate sg1 and you're listening to sci-fi talk back on sci-fi talk with Nurwazi. as i said she's a director and producer co-writer of lab rat which you can now see on Dust, and I certainly urge you to do so. Dust is a great platform for these kind of films. I've talked to the uh, the CEO a while ago, and uh, he his, his enthusiasm was awesome about all the different films that they show, and uh, they're always looking for people like you, for filmmakers, so it's a great platform. Oh, indeed, and they're really supportive, and, you know, I, you know, there's always a, there's a good chance I may continue with them for the... Um, for the TV show version of this short. So we'll see, we'll see. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be real cool. <laughs> so, yeah, speaking of that, do you think shorts are a good way to, uh, you know, to, to kind of as a stepping stone to a feature or a series? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, I'm, I've, I've reached breaking point, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I think there's a, there's a risk of them becoming this, you know, of holding you back, to be honest, because, and the, for, I mean, I guess just uh, on the one hand, yes, I've learned a lot and they've been, I, I probably made certain choices with a lot of my shorts that I wouldn't do on a feature, um, just to take, taking a lot more risks visually and um, particularly, yeah, particularly stylistically, but I don't know, I think, I mean, you're coming to me now at a very, I'm very cynical at the minute about <laughs> just because I, you know, I've been in, I've been in the industry for a while and I've been, you know, developing my feature and TV slate and I've just been itching to get to long form, but you know, I'm a better director for them. So, you know, I, 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 um, I can def for emerging talent, I definitely say that it is, it is a requirement hundred percent, but don't, but I think when you read, you'll, there'll be a point where you just have to move on because the amount of time it takes to make a film, 
I mean, I was lucky with Labra because the whole process only took a handful of months from inception to completion. That was the only reason I agreed to do it is the fast turnaround. Uh, because some of my other films, you just you spend a long time. I mean, mm. it, and it, that time is probably better served on a longer film, <laughs> in my opinion. But yeah, you know, it comes down to your level of experience and what you want to take out of it. I think. Absolutely, no. It's it, I think shorts are awesome. Uh, it you know it gives you. Uh, a lot of freedom. You can explore things you can in a feature, like you said. And uh, how do you decide length? What 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 is is there like a customary length for it to be called a short? They say anything under thirty minutes is a short. Oh, okay. I, I've generally found that. Um, I mean, with this one, I would have liked to have been to for it to have been a little bit longer, just to be able to have explored, you know, some of those thematics within you know with you know and really build because at the moment we kind of we we escalate things very quickly but i found that like example in the, the shorts the better shorts i've done that are 20 plus minutes longer i haven't done as well as the ones that are 15 minutes and less yeah um, so i i really tried to ensure that it was short enough <laughs> so that it was um, just a bit more accessible for festivals. And also, just, I think people's attention span is just um, limited. <laughs> so, hmm. uh, so I think uh, that was kind of the reasoning for me of keeping it under 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So what's it like for you? You know, you, you seem like a, a, a young, talented woman. What's it like for you in the industry? Have you had any, any, any blowback? Or I guess you've had to work for everything you've gotten. Oh, no doubt. I mean, it's been hard. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's um, it's really cha it is very challenging. And I think for me, I've always been, you know, I'm, I'm a big sci fi fan. And that's been that my entire pretty much 99% of my slate is science fiction. And unfortunately, Britain, it doesn't isn't great for science fiction uh they don't there's just not enough of it and they don't they, they're less how can i say this uh i think they're just they're not as excited about genre than than i say the americans are so i've obviously now found myself and uh, pretty much all my all my um features and my tv shows have moved to the u.s because of the fact that i just couldn't get the kind of international commercial exciting entertaining stories that that still says something that still say something meaningful and and obviously that will you'll be able to connect to on a, on a deeper human level but you know but i like entertainment i want escapism you know i want to have you on the edge of your seat and i just find that those kind of films are just you know not as encouraged in the uk as they are in the us so it's been harder for me i'd say but although saying that i've i've just got a, my big break on a sci-fi show in the UK, so it's the, and so it was pure luck <laughs> that you know the odds of that happening very slim. So yeah, I mean you know maybe maybe things are changing. Can you say what show it is? Unfortunately, not. I'm on a embargo, <laughs> but I'm hoping in the coming weeks it will be announced. But it's something we all know. It's a new show, actually. Oh really? Show. Oh very cool. That sounds yeah. great. That sounds awesome. So you're going to be uh, are you be working as a, a one shot director or on this or in the production staff? Uh, no, I'm directing two episodes. Oh, good. Well, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it is awesome. <laughs> so you're going to go from like doing a 15 minutes to an hour show, and you have like a usually you have like a week to shoot one of those things. That's a whole other mindset too. 
Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I think we, we have, I mean, the, the structure in the UK with TV is a little bit different because we, uh, you know, we're much more, I think the directors are given much more, a bit more time in um, shooting oh, and good. prep, but also like you're completely involved in a very long edit process and, and the, um, you know, the mix and the grade and all that. I think in the in the US, from what I understand, you have less, less say and power when it comes to the post process after you've shot, basically. Well, the way it works um, is on television, the, the person with the power is the showrunner. And uh, he can over, he, he, the director submits a director's cut. And then, but the showrunner could, could overrule that cut and ask them to make some changes. So the director doesn't have the power that they do in films here. That's uh, no, the same here. That's the same. So uh, it's it's pretty much, and you know, there's because the showrunner has to look at the um, the whole the whole series, and and not just you know it has how it blends in, and if it's like too radical from the tone of the series, it's you know it's not going to work. Or if they do things mm-hmm. that, yeah, it's kind of funny as a director, you can't get too innovative because it'll make your episode stand out from the others. It kind of yeah. has to be a little uniform. So. That's a challenge. No, definitely, definitely. And that's going to be an interesting journey. But no, it's definitely the same here in terms of, you know, the showrunners and stuff. But I think the difference in the UK is just you have a bit more uh, time given for, you know, the process after you shoot. Whereas in the, yeah. U- in the US, I think you have, you have less, um, less time there. But yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. It's definitely, I mean, I, I've only had one broadcast experience with the BBC um before a few years ago and that gave me a little taste of uh me not being king <laughs> or queen rather <laughs> definitely queen. Uh, <laughs> for somebody who's a you know a bit of a control freak that definitely was um was a different experience but i liked it I, I think it's nice as long as you have a team that supports you and doesn't undermine you um and you know you all feel like you're you know you're, you're working to the same vision you know, then then all then all's good. You know, but the minute people start second guessing you, um, uh, yeah, I mean that's when it's uh, that's when you're compromising <laughs> what you're making. You know. If I can ask you, do you have a favorite sci-fi film? Favorite sci-fi film? God, that's. <laughs> I know it's a lot to choose from. Yeah, I mean, God, there's so many. Um, I hate that question because can I give you a few? <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I mean, of recent recent years, the ones that have impacted me the most in terms of my my writing and and my um, the kind of aspects that I'm really excited about is um, I would say Arrival. I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm I'm a big Nolan fan, uh, so I mean I'm I'm really big on I love Interstellar and Inception. I mean they just it's for me it's it's what he focuses on as, as a filmmaker. I just I just love stories about time memory <laughs> you know i mean they're they really kind of excite me so i'm really looking forward to his next film um i loved ex machina that was um that oh. definitely had a big impact on me oh, wow. and, uh, uh, and moon i loved moon moon was just that the, the the vibe of moon and that kind of sense i loved i love seeing a ca- i'm quite sadistic in the sense of i love seeing a character's degradation physical mental degradation that really did it for me uh and then obviously the word of cloning and yeah and blade runner i'd say the, the original blade oh, runner yeah. that's um, yeah those are my i say those are my like favorite sci-fis yeah, actually, I'm looking forward to uh, Tenet, which has been kind of pushed yep. back because of the virus and everything. Uh, and yeah, he's Nolan is definitely up on my list for me. 
The King is still 2001 because it just explored so many things about what we are, where we came from, and where we're going. And I, I totally like that. You know, he made it deliberately dull for a reason. <laughs> and But it worked. It really worked. And you couldn't do that again if you tried. But yeah, actually, I do recommend if you haven't seen it, uh, also from Alex Garland is uh, Devs, the TV series. I don't know if you, you've gotten over there yeah, yet. No, of course I've seen it. Of course I've seen it. <laughs> oh, that was yeah, no. awesome. Just totally awesome. Yeah, it was. I mean, I think for me, I was probably just a little bit irritated when I watched it because a lot of the things he does in that, I'm, I ha I'm doing in my in my own films and TV shows. So I was like, <laughs> 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 so I'm, I'm a little biased with that. But I mean, I, I, to be honest, in terms of shows like this year, like I just finished watching watching Dark, the German uh, sci-fi show, and oh. I'd really recommend that. I mean, God, I've cool. never watched anything that has. Uh, been I mean I don't know if I'm allowed to swear but um, <laughs> am I allowed to swear? You can swear, yeah. I, yeah, I mean it's just it's it's a real mindfuck of a show, but I, I've never <laughs> worked so hard mentally. Uh, but it is it is out of this world. I mean I'd really recommend it if you haven't seen it. Cool, uh, it's really good. Any sci-fi fans should should definitely watch that. Yeah, and I've uh, I, I, I on television I I love the Expanse and uh, and talking to those guys over the years. Uh, just a fantastic series and really makes you think based on some really great books and they have done it justice and uh, so glad it's on Amazon now and you can binge all the seasons. It's, you know, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. There's also Tales, Tales from the Loop. I re I recommend. I thought that was that was really that was uh, surprised me. I didn't expect. It. I, I really like. I like. I like the the structure of the series and every every episode kind of focuses on a different thematic in, in the world of science fiction. And so even if you don't like one of them, you'll de I mean you'll like the other. And I just it's, it's really kind of thought provoking. And you know I definitely recommend that as well. Yeah, Dark Mirror. Uh, I call them all Sons of the Twilight Zone. So uh, you know. <laughs> It's like that was the daddy, and these are their, his offspring, and they're all going in different directions. But you can almost see Rod Serling smiling somewhere. <laughs> indeed, indeed. You know, it's great. So I guess the the TV thing is what's going to keep you busy. Yeah, I mean, I'll be out, I'll be um, out of commission from like November until about February, a bit, maybe a bit, maybe March of next year. Um, but I've got a few things. Um, I'm hoping. I mean, I'm I'm in the midst of writing. Uh, got a few, too many things probably <laughs> but, but I've got um I'm doing like a sci-fi action thriller set on a prison planet um uh with three generations of women which is really cool um that I'm like tr I'm hoping to finish before I start um and I'm doing uh I'm, we've just finished the pitch deck for the lab rat tv show so we're gonna I'm gonna start pitching that uh next week which is gonna be really exciting Nice. Um, yeah, and there's what there's another one that I've been putting my energy into that is just proving to be really complex. Um, it's kind of like a dimension hopping. <laughs> oh. I'm really a dimension hopping show. It's told from the perspective of an African American teenager as she kind of as she uh, tries to kind of unravel her mother. I have a thing with mother and daughter relationships. Really. <laughs> <laughs> And it kind of delves into African mythology and, and a hidden hidden kind of ancestral past. So it's cool. And I, I'm hoping that I'll be able to bring on a team of um, African-American writers to it So um, and, 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 and directors as well. So, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that one goes. Pretty cool idea. That's intriguing. I really is. Yeah, I think nowadays it's very timely to do those kind of stories, too. So that's awesome. Uh, lastly, as far as shooting, 
for you if you're going to be working on this series with the coronavirus have they already talked to you about what you can and cannot do <laughs> I mean, no, they just sent me really funny images of, of me being in a big bodysuit. So, <laughs> oh god, <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, they're 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 still figuring out the kind of parameters um, of kind of what it re- will require. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, it's a tough one to navigate. I'm still kind of waiting to find the the, the new rules because there's some that are a bit outrageous. You're like, okay, you can't really have the actors too close together. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. That's gonna happen. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Come on now. Uh, but um, I think it's just this is definitely gonna be. It definitely heightens the budget, which is always a concern because you just have to now you have to allocate. I think at least thirty percent, twenty to thirty percent of your budget to dealing with the kind of spillback of what it what it requires to. Um, you know, uh, to ensure that you're not uh, <laughs> you're not uh, starting an outbreak, effectively. You know. Wow, that's but, amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna it's changing the industry here too, and they they released some guidelines, but uh, supposedly August some TV shows are gonna go back into production. That's gonna be very strange how they pull it off, but I'm sure they will. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's like a pod in the U.S. I was read I was reading about this new pod based system. Which sounds kind of interesting in terms of how you separate, you know, like your production design crew and like, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. God, I, I mean, thinking about it, just uh, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see, absolutely. Well, the film is called Lab Rat and it is available right now on Dust. And we look forward to seeing whatever TV show you're going to be working on in the future. I'm sure we'll we'll look for your name in the credits for sure. Thanks, Tony. Thanks so much for your time as well. Uh, It's my pleasure. I love talking to filmmakers and especially those with a vision. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, I hope everyone likes, enjoys the, enjoys the ride and, uh, you know, feels some, uh, you know, sense of empathy at the end of the story is, you know, to me, that's always the most important to me. Ah, yes. That's what (laughs) sci-fi does best. Explore the human condition, really. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is why I love science fiction. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, for me, it's kind of, uh, you know, I always feel like we're so we're still in so in the dark about so many things, including our own consciousness. And you know, I feel like these these stories give us the vehicle to explore the possibilities, and and also you know makes us reflect on ourselves and our own humanity. <laughs> I mean, who, you know, it's one of the reasons I feel like I ended up just falling in love with science fiction. I mean, it's just what other what other world allows you to you know really stoke your curiosity and rethink old ideas and just imagine the possibilities of our existence. I mean, I'm just I love it I'm so bad. Definitely, and I just, I, I, I just hope there's a lot more new science fiction stories coming out, and um, fret with fresh takes on them, and that I can be part of. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think you're good there. I think we're going to have a lot of that coming up. I really do. There's a, there's a cool generation that's coming up right now that you're a part of. So it's going to be fun. Well, the film is Lab Rat, folks. Definitely check it out on Dust. And for Sci-Fi Talk, this is Tony Tolado. Take care. <laughs>